everybody welcome to the 320th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in sunny rip city and i got my man yeah 3 p.m podcast man this is definitely a different thing and uh happy mlk day to everybody i've i've read uh why we can't wait uh by mlk and uh one thing stuck out to me when i was reading it it was in the introduction and I wrote, I, I didn't write it. I typed it because my hey, I can't read my own handwriting. The war has been won, but not a just peace. Equality has never arrived. Equal, equality was 100 years late. And, you know, that kind of speaks to me because, you know, we're still dealing with the uh, lack of equality for uh, each other. And then there's one other thing that I want to say before we get into the, the basketball. Um my friend and I have been playing this video game and I happened to get in front of him and I got to see the, uh, the, the, the DLC finish the ending of it. And I told him that, and he said, don't ruin it for me. I will Josh Hart you in 2k so much that you stop playing 2k if you ruin this for me. And that made me, that's like the best threat ever. Just Stay in the corner when I'm driving. Stay in the corner when I'm driving. No need to no need to drive when I'm driving. Ooh, Josh Hart already uh catching him. Out this of, is out what of I do, field. dog. This is what I do. Out of left field. What, well, what I, 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 at doing? least I talked about MLK before I was a dick to Josh Hart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh let's get into this episode and the Blazers currently on a home heavy stretch during the month of of January. Uh they had a bit of of a rough patch to to get this home stand going, losing two extremely winnable games uh Tuesday against Orlando. Uh, 106 to 109, a game in which their starters completely let the team down, giving up massive magic runs to start the first and third quarters. Uh, they blew not only a 50 point game from Dame, but a 14 point lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, once again, collapsing late down the stretch, uh, 119 to 113. And then I think they probably saved their season, uh, with back to back wins over the Dallas Mavericks, uh, destroying them in each contest the first time on Saturday 136 to 119 and then on Sunday 140 to 123 yes they were aided by Christian Wood not playing in the first game and Luka Doncic not playing in the second game but this team has proven that they have trouble beating just any ordinary team look no further than the Orlando game uh or or the Clippers when they blew a massive lead to uh, a team that didn't have Paul George or Kawhi Leonard so just getting wins at this point um is 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 a must. If the Blazers are truly to contend in the Western Conference, there's no more time to to wait and see or or be patient. It's put up or shut up. Uh, and I, I really do believe that they saved their season uh, with the wins over Dallas. Now, does it mean the season will be saved? No, th- there's more games to be played. We are uh, just uh, eclipsing the, the halfway mark, but at a record of 21 and 22, 43 games in. The Blazers are still afloat. They are still within shouting distance of of the fifth seed. And if Sacramento ever hits a cold spell, they could catch them um, as well. So home court advantage still in play. Out of the playoff picture completely is also still in play. Uh, There's so few games that separate uh, just a handful of teams in the Western Conference. And for a, a Blazer roster that is finally nearly completely healthy, there are zero excuses left on the board for them to play. Um, Sage, what what was the what, what did what stood out to you in in this week in which the Blazers uh, had all four home games and uh, split those contests right down the middle? So I think I think we have to separate it into two very different Blazer teams that you know appeared in those games. I, I knew. In that Cleveland game, I was like, yeah, we're up now. But Dame has to be a really efficient, laser-focused player. They're getting they're they're doing so much post-to-post 
offense that we can't stop. Donovan really has he's playing like not as good as I know he can in the second half. And then we it was like a back and forth game, but we didn't really close it out. And then the other game, you know, I just didn't have faith in the first two games of the the thing of the, the, the slate of games. The second one, when when they just ha- had this scheme of we're basically going to double Luca every chance we get. It kind of was like a box and one type of thing where Josh Hart followed him. And then if he went to one side or another, Nurk was there or Jeremy Grant was there to, to pass and defer the ball to people that like, if, if, if someone like Reggie Bullock is going to beat you, I mean, that's, you take it, you just, you just take it. And then there was no Christian Wood. So there, it was just basically all Luca. And if you do a strict double on him, not much you, he can do. He, you know, I wish he did more. He was on ninety-five of my, percent of my DFS lineups, but they had a really good strategy and stuck to it. And then the second game, it's the Dallas Mavericks without Luka Doncic, so they're really not scary. Christian Woods, the only guy that really can, and Spencer Dinwiddie were the only two that could make things happen for themselves. So I, I felt like the the strategy in that first game was very very smart defensively on how to just attack the Mavericks and make Luka less, you know, prime James Harden, prime Russell Westbrook when he was at OKC in, in, in the ability to do everything. Yeah, I think the the strategy to double Luka was was the, the the correct one. I think it's getting a little too much credit for, for the victory. And, and I say that because the Blazers still were not a good defensive team, the, the the stretch. You give up 119 to the Cavs, 119 to the Mavericks, and then 123 to the Mavericks. The reason they won those two games against Dallas was because they finally took care of the basketball. This is a team averaging around 16 turnovers a game. They had 16 combined turnovers against the Mavericks, nine on the 14th, and then seven on the 15th. So it's incredible what amazing offense can do for this team because we know they're at best a middle of the road defensive team that they're never going to clamp you down so this is where the strategy of doubling Luca is just a perfect mix of taking care of the ball scoring on offense and then okay Luca, you're not going to beat us so kick it out to Reggie Bullock all you want like that's not going to be able to stop this high powered locomotive that the Blazers have going on offense. Like Reggie Bullock's not going to help you eclipse 140 points on offense. He's, he's not going to get to the right line. Now, What's that? He's playing like Tony Snell does. Yeah. He's, you know, when you take Luca out of the mix, like Luca is as a player that, that can go off for 60 that, you know, can win a shootout of a 140 to 141 type of game. Because he slows the game down, he can get to the foul line, he can get you into the early bonus, which is exactly what the Cavaliers did in that matchup in the fourth quarter. They were in the bonus with like eight or nine minutes Mm -hmm. to go, and that's how they chipped away at that lead. That's how you steal momentum and kind of of switch the the, the pace of the game and, and the flow. Portland kind of played, it was a perfect harmony for the Blazers. You're taking care of the ball, you're not letting the superstar beat you. And you're able to let your offense be your best defense. And I think for this Blazer team, how it's currently constructed, that's the best you can hope for because they're not going to win regularly on on nights when their offense isn't clicking, when they're turning the ball over. They just they're not a good enough defensive team to have that be their calling card. But you can see when it all comes together how how well they can play and the results can. Uh, really match up to what what we're seeing. So uh, great overall two wins against Dallas. I I don't think you're getting ready to plan the parade down Broadway, but I do think it was an incredibly good. The timing was was necessary, right? You lose those two games. Now you've lost seven in a row, and now you got to go to Denver. And then it can start to become an eight game losing streak. And now you're really starting to reel and it's hard to come back. Like five game losing streaks are hard enough in the association, but it starts to like, I don't know if this is to you, but when, when, when I'm watching and you see a team, they lose five and then they lose six, that sixth loss. Isn't just one extra loss. Like it starts to, uh, 
kind yeah. of uh, domino effect. Yeah. And you're starting, it starts to count for more than really one loss. Like it's almost like when Shaden goes up for a dunk, it can really be more than two points because you're getting the crowd involved, the benches involved, like everyone's taking their energy up a notch. It's the opposite effect, right? It has the opposite effect when you keep losing games. So for them to kind of stop the bleeding and say, take a deep breath, we're healthy. We have this really season-defining stretch of games coming up. We're in this. Um, whether you believe the Blazers are a true contender or not, I think that's a, a discussion for a different day. But the, the facts are the facts. They are one game in the loss column outside of the, uh, the fifth seed. And, you know, I think you and I would be very happy if they were to end up in the fifth seed. Like, we just don't want to see them in that plan. So if you can play yourself into one of those six seeds in the Western Conference, by all means, go for it. But we have to see consistent basketball from this team. That has been their bugaboo this entire year. There was really just no rhyme or reason for them to come out that flat against the Orlando Magic. And there's just been too many games this year where they wish they could have back. And when you eclipse the halfway mark of the season, you really have to start going all out and all in in every contest if you want to be happy with your seeding come April. So that's going to be the big question mark for me this this next really two weeks. Are the Blazers going to handle their business or are they going to continue to play in consistent basketball and kind of tease the entire fan base of what they can be? You know, it, it's tough because, you know, I feel like Dame is at a very awesome week. So it puts to into question what would we do if he didn't have an awesome week of efficiency and scoring? We beat the the Mavericks, but Dame was pretty awesome. So what if he if it's not awesome and he's just averagely good? Like we had to be perfect in order to like we we have to be perfect in order to beat good teams that don't have a huge weakness like Christian Wood missing or or Luka Doncic missing. So it's 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 good that we won. It puts the the it stops the. I am blatantly rooting for us to lose, you know, time, pushing it back. You know, when you think about it, there was a lot of things that had to go our way to for these for those two wins, like the strategy of slowing it down and making the map, making it so Luca's having a tough time scoring. Well, if Dame's scoring at such a high clip and Luca's struggling, we're going to win because slow pace and we're, we're making Luca work. So, yeah, it, it it stops the the blatant like oh <laughs> me watching Jarris Walker highlights and getting excited. So it's like okay, the, the, if they can be consistent, that's one thing. But I just feel that they're very inconsistent in playing basketball in the last you know few months. So it, it you know it, it it's good that the fans got to see some wins and you know feel good about things. And I I finally watched a Blazer broadcast and they weren't objectively shitting on Nurk and we're celebrating the fact that he can hit threes. So that was, that was kind of a nice thing to think of. Cause I, I, if given the choice, I watched the opponent, uh, the, their broadcast, but for this, the, the last two games, it, it was the Blazers. And I felt like they were actually more complimentary of players that, you know, the fans don't think that are perfect. So I was very happy about that. I don't remember who it was. I think it was my friend and former coworker, Sarah, who I worked with at the Blazers. But she ha- she came up with this um, even back during the, the LaMarcus and, and Dame times. The Blazers are like that bad relationship. You've been with them for a long time. You know there's a lot of good there. and they. they but there's also times where, you know, maybe they, they flake out on you on date night or they come home late without calling. Or they're not giving you all of all of the attention that you need. But then there's those times where, oh, they show up with flowers. Oh, they, they just they, they show you how good they can be and they reel you back in. Uh, you, you know you don't want anybody else, but you know you deserve a little bit better. Like th- that is being a Blazer fan in a just a nutshell. That that's that's who they are. That's you know they keep pulling us back in. I was with you. I was like, okay, let's look at Tankathon. Are we, are we close? And sure as shit, we still could be. But now it's like, okay, we won two games. Like, can we can we just be consistent? Because this, I don't want to do this 
on again, off again. They they need but to find. We've had eight the... years of documenting that we are totally content with doing on again, off again. <laughs> to be fair, I do this more for the FaceTime with you and you know to to chat about the Blazers. But in terms of actually being invested and being excited to watch them play, it's been it, it, I, I've documented. It's been a bit rough. Like they have not been enjoyable to watch. So uh, is are they the Dallas Mavericks Blazers or are they the Cleveland Cavaliers Blazers? Like what team is going to show up more often? Is it going to be the I mean, team I that think plays hard still and blows take it? The or Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. game uh, in a sense because at least you got fifty from Dame. It was entertaining. It, it wasn't a complete disaster. The Orlando game is something that's unacceptable and it should never happen. It is a bottom feeding team on the second night they of the back to back. Fucking good against us. Yeah, the second night of a back to back. They're without Bull Bull. Um, that shouldn't have happened. You know you need to stop the bleeding, and they didn't do it. The starters, not 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 the young bench, the veteran starters lost that game. There is just no excuse for that with so many veterans in that starting lineup for them to come out with such little energy. And frankly, I was a bit disappointed the coach didn't do a hockey shift and said, all, all you five, sit your ass down. Like, you did not bring it. This is how I'm going to hold you accountable. I don't care if the bench guys dig us a, a, a deeper hole. Everything that they do is on you. It's it's a reflection of how you let us down to start this game. You're the ones making the big bucks. You're the ones getting the introductions from Mark Mason. Like, you're the face of the franchise, all the promo materials. You can't come out and, and just lay an egg like that, especially when you – when. I guarantee you, we we look back in April, one to two games is going to define where the Blazers want to be in the season. And you don't want to say, shit, I wish we could replay those Clippers and those Maverick games and that the Nugget game where, where Dame went off. Like, you can't keep stubbing your toe. They, they have to put it together. Thankfully, they showed some signs of life in doing so. And I think it all starts right now, Sage, with with Damian Lillard. I don't know if there's a hotter player in the league or the or the Western Conference. Uh, five straight games of, of 30 or more points. Um, it is eight is the record for him during his God mode uh, January, February of, of 2020. Uh, but he just looks absolutely brilliant. Um He's doing a couple of things that I love. One, he is becoming a little bit more selective with his three-point shots. I feel like he rushed some, uh, especially in that Orlando game. Um, and he's getting to the line. He 15 times uh, against Cleveland, a total of 26 times against Dallas. Uh, that's 41 times in three games, and he's made 40 of them. Those are easy points at the basket, and he's not turning the ball over. Three turnovers in the last three games. Uh, just really doing a great job of commanding the ship, uh, just directing traffic. And he shot over 50% from the field in in these past three games, 57 against Cleveland, 55 and 59 against Dallas. Uh, these are numbers that, that you expect going up against backcourts that have no real perimeter defenders. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that he's starting to get out of, out of that funk. The one thing I want to see from Dame is that when his shot isn't falling, I know the, the saying, shoot or shoot, but you have three other guys in the starting lineup that could average 20 points, Ant, Yusuf, and Jeremy. If his shot's not falling, either A, drive the ball and get to the line, or B, be a decoy. Like you Do you have think that other... when he does those heat check or to get out of a slump shots, they're ridiculously difficult? Bro, those drive me crazy. Like, and I try not to criticize Dame too much because of everything he's done. But, but it's like ridiculously difficult attempts. It, he, it's like he's a he's a he's a hitter going up there and he's like, oh god, I got to get a home run. Like, yeah. we're down one run, I have to swing for the fences instead of, hey, maybe let me work the count. If I get, you know, uh, if I see a lot of pitches or if I get a single or I even get a walk, just let me get on base to have somebody else kind of help me out. It feels like he shoulders so much of the weight of this franchise that he just, I, I think he really needs to step back and say, I've got other players around me that, that can work. Let's show the defense something different. And I, I think he, he does, he panics a little bit and he, he, he checks threes. He takes a lot of contested threes off movement, off step backs. It's like, those are low percentage. Mm-hmm. If you're hitting them, that's great. But if you're not there, there are better shots. He's too good of a player to let the defense off the hook and settle for those attempts. Um, 
you're the last few topics kind of just give me deja vu like we've said this shit we've definitely said this shit about like easy games that we lose now is going to negatively affect us we've said this shit for years i'm just getting this crazy deja vu of like we've said this we've done this we've we've calculated this this is what we've we've kind of been dealing with forever and really the only real thing that stayed from you know, 2013 when we first started to 2023 is Dame. Why does this organization just fuck around so much when you see other organizations not do that when they're competing for a playoff spot? And I I, I think, like, in the past when Dame would take those crazy difficult shots, I would say 45% of the time they went in and it kind of was a change of of pace but now it's like i'm kind of surprised when they come in like it's like 28 percent. like when he hit takes a a ridiculous movement three you know pass hash it's like okay well it's kind of, it's, it's bad habits right like when you're 25 you could stay you could stay out and go drinking right until like three in the morning get up at seven for work and, and you're good you can make it happen Start getting over 30, though those nights are a lot rougher. You have a lot harder time recuperating, and you realize shit, I can't do that anymore. So I think it's just on the organization and Dame to realize, okay, this is how we're gonna prolong our career. These are the shots that we need. It's not like 2020 when we had Hazonia and Tolliver and you know, Whiteside, and you just you didn't you're bringing in Mello out of retirement. Like you don't have a bare bones roster, you have help. This is what help looks like. You've been asking for help. Here it is. Now it's on you to to utilize that help and and lead them. Like you're the leader of the team. So um, that's going to be something that that I'm going to watch because if there is a knock on on Dame, it is the the shot selection at times, the the quick trigger. So I want to see him when it's not working, find other ways to continue the offensive output for for the team. He can win these. He can win these one-on-one matchups. But for whatever reason, he's trying to take high difficulty shots. But like if he's trying to get he's trying to fix the shooting slump, break that guy off, get get like some separation and either take it to the rim or take an open three. I get I guess I can't tell him what to do since he's he's done this shit. But as like an outside observer, it's just like, damn, that's a difficult ass shot he just took. And if it goes in, great. And if not, it's like, I, I he can't he can't physically do this shit so much so often. It, it's just it's it's about what we see consistency. What is what is this team going to be if we're losing? If we're losing because we're just such a god awful fourth quarter team, then these two wins is just a nice reprieve from losing. But if we can turn the corner and we can develop things that stop superstar players from being superstar players, then I'm all into competing for a playoff spot. But if we're just losing to, you know, six out of eight teams, it's like, damn, Jarris Walker or Nick Smith or any of these players could really help this team out. (laughs) Speaking of guys helping the Blazers out, Portland welcomed back Nasir Little. Uh, in that second contest against the, the Mavericks. And I thought he was a, a huge spark. Uh, I think he's a great locker room presence. So when he's out there, the team kind of thrives off of his energy. But I, I think I agree with you earlier on saying the three-point shot, those open threes, that's going to be the key to unlocking playing time for Nasir Little. And he hit the open three uh, against the, the Dallas Mavericks, there was transition plays uh, back and forth with Shaden uh, in the in the corner off of the driving kick. If he can hit that three, I think that unlocks a lot more options for the Blazers, especially at the deadline, because I think he's a better natural fit at the small forward than a Josh Hart. Josh Hart is a he's he's a two guard playing three, and there is a bit of a difference just because I think he has better size against twos than than the three. And he's just, the the shot has kind of disappeared for Hart. I mean, kudos to him for finally shooting a bit more this week, but they're they're not dropping. So if Nasir Little can become an average open three-point shooter, that's going to open the floor. Are you thinking average is his peak? 
No, I think. Well, he's how are you feeling about Nasir's shooting currently? I think he's he's imp- the only thing stopping Nasir has been these injuries. Yeah, every, I, that's every time he seems to be taking the uh, kind of the, the next step, something sets him back out of his control. But if if he can stay healthy, like remember, he is on a long term, relatively cheap contract. You have him cost controlled for the next four or five seasons, and the shot has improved. The mechanics look good. He has a nice follow through. And you're not asking him to be. And I feel like he's confident about his shot. He was taking shots. You're not asking him to be a movement shooter off the dribble, just catch and shoot. And Mm -hmm. I think he can do that. And I just think he brings a little bit more oomph um, in that lineup. So I I think it it opens up because Portland now is looking kind of at at, at a minutes crunch. Like whose minutes are going to start to get eaten up? You've got Peyton healthy. Okay, I, I got a question. I got multiple questions. How much of a loss is Nasir's rebounding to Josh's? Is it hu- is it a huge gap? Is it a small gap? Or is it none at all? You would hope if Josh is 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 moved that Jeremy can can step up and rebound a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know that that is the one thing that you really kind of pause on when looking at Josh Hart and that you're going to have to replace. Is However, I, I don't think you can justify the, the cost of a Josh Hart, both financially, but also in a development sense. Like you've got this year little and more importantly, shade and sharp in the wings. You have to. You have to remove someone to allow them to grow. Like if, if they're if they're both plants fighting for the same light, you kind of have to tell the other plant to kind of get out of there so the younger sapling can start to, to get that that shine. And with everything Portland has invested in uh, a shade and sharp and the long term contract they handed out for for Nasir Little, there there needs to be time for them to play. It just it kind of reminds me. You look back in the in the eighties. You know, a Jim Paxson. Well, Clyde Drexler slowly took his his shine. A Kiki Vandeweghe, Jerome Kersey slowly took his shine, and those were the right moves. It's just a natural pecking order in the NBA. I'm not saying Josh Hart is washed or that he's you know past his prime, but the ceiling for him is not what it is for the other players behind him. And if if Hart is moved, hopefully you are moving him for someone with some size that that can rebound the basketball. So you're not completely uh, giving up everything that he provides uh, on the court. You know, he's he's a solid player, but it's a numbers game, Sage. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense paying someone that much money when you have more cost efficient backups who I think have higher development chances given the opportunities that coach Chauncey Billups gives a player like Josh Hart. I I acknowledge that there's going to be a drop in small forward rebounding from Josh Hart to Nasir Little and Shaden Sharp. For sure. There just is. As much as I tease him for stealing use of his rebounds, which I think he does, he's still a really good rebounding wing. But I remember thinking that Nasir Little is a really good rebounding wing. And if Shaden Sharp's going to reach his potential, that athletic ability, he should rebound the fucking ball pretty, pretty effectively. I think he's also one of the better offensive rebounds. Like, watch if you just specifically watch him play because he does not get the ball. He is looking for every opportunity to rebound the ball on the offensive end of the glass. Like, yeah, he, he just needs to do that defensively. And I don't think that that if Shaden hits his what he should be with his athleticism, rebounding shouldn't be an issue. No, he's, he's giving seven eight boards a game easy. Yeah, like so. We can replace what jo- <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have shitted on him the second thing I said, but like we can replace what Josh Hart provides because the two people behind him, I think are have the potential of being just as good or even better with like, could you imagine if Ant Nasir and Shaden focus on getting boards? There's not that many teams that can jump with us. We could be an excellent rebounding team. Yusuf Nurkic is an excellent rebounder for his position. If we could have Ant, Nasir, and Shaden Sharp be, be the, the rebounders that they can be, I, I trust I trust Nasir's shot. And one thing that I liked about Nasir in the Mavericks game, he hit a three, went back, got the ball, took a long two, airballed. 
Next possession, he got the ball, shot it immediately without even thinking about it, and it was a green bean. He believes in his shot. That is something that we don't have right now with Josh Hart. So, like, I acknowledge that Josh Hart's a good player. I don't prefer, I don't like the way he plays the game, but he is a good player. If we can trade him and get Nasir and Shaden to split that, that small forward position, I don't think we lose much. There's, and there's, there's things that Nasir and Shaden do that, that Josh just simply can't. Like the, the second game, Shaden comes out of nowhere and has that weak side block, leads the break, which you know ultimately leads to GP2 getting getting that layup, which was probably the prettiest sequence of, of the entire season. And you're starting to see Shaden do other things. In, in the first matchup, I don't care if it's garbage time. These are things you're looking for in a 19-year-old player. He's taking his player off of the dribble. He's draw, uh, drawing the, the big defender towards him and dumping it off to Greg Brown for the dunk. In that second contest, he has Dwight Powell on, on the baseline, gives him a nice little move, goes and elevates for the two hands, like double pump dunk. Like Those are the things that you want to see in his development because he can shoot the ball, he can defend, he can rebound. He's starting to put it all together. And you don't want to be a situation where it's like a Will Barton where he gets buried on your bench and you don't give him much of an opportunity or a Drazen Petrovic, you know, where he's again, buried on your bench and you trade him and he becomes an all NBA player. That PT is going to be super valuable for him. If he can dribble the ball, like that's the thing that I think is his weakness is playmaking. If he can learn how to, he didn't play in college. So he didn't get that time against like college athletes. He played, he was on Kentucky, so he would have had to play Alabama. Like him learning how to dribble against Keon Ellis would have been huge. Well, maybe in blowout games, he can take his time against a a, a backup guard and initiate shit. So I, I think that getting him as much playing time where he's involved is important. Like we can't treat him like he's Reggie Bullock or, uh, uh, shit. Tony Snell. Sorry, I forgot about him since he doesn't do anything. Like, you can't treat him like he's just nothing and put him in the corner like people want to do with Yusuf. He has to be involved because he has such a high potential. And the thing that's going to unlock him is being able to be the playmaker. So any chance that we can get him the ball is a good thing. And if we're down 20 with seven minutes left, we probably should take out the stars and, you know, put in, you know. Those young bucks. We don't know what uh, we don't know what Shaden is. Nasir's changed his game so much. I thought he was just going to be a hustle. I thought it was going to be like a Jerome Kersey of twenty twenty. Like, but if he can hit threes like the way that he's shown, he doesn't have that Justice Winslow ceiling. He has a much higher ceiling if he 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 could be the version of Bruce Bowen. Like, there's <laughs> there's a lot that we can do with those wings. Now Nasir has to stay healthy which is going to be an issue, but I would much rather develop those guys than make Josh Hart play his 35th through 38th minute in a meaningless game. Before we look at the week ahead real quick, how big of an impact has Gary Payton had in his, his limited time? Like just, he seems like he's an incredible disruptor. If he's able to hit that open three, I think that opens up. It's just so important to just take it. He might not be the best shooter because he absolutely isn't, but at least he's a threat. I mean, those are, those are threes where he can stop and really contemplate life. Like he is wide open. Like he's getting Draymond treatment, but Hey, he's, he's taking them and he's making them and it allows all he needs to do. That's all he needs to do to play so many different lineups. If he's on the court, because all of a sudden, you're either getting a wide open three from GP or the defense is respecting it and it opens up the floor a little bit more. But most importantly, it forces, not allows, it forces Chauncey Billups to stagger Simons and Lillard. And I, I've i been listening to the radio quite a bit because of having the newborn and I'll just leave it on. And then the fifth quarter will come up and people will call in and, and everyone is just enamored with the, the idea of getting a, a bench scorer. And I, I don't see that need there. I, I I don't. I just don't. I think Portland. I would love to, Alec Burks or someone to do it, but I don't. I think Portland I, I think has enough firepower. It just needs to be utilized effectively and efficiently over the course of forty-eight minutes. And we have been just 
top of Mount Hood yelling, stagger, dame, and ant. Ant can be your de facto bench scorer as long as you allow him to cook with Dame on the bench. And when Dame comes in, vice versa. Like you, like I said, you have four players who could average 20 points per game. If they ran any sort of sets for Shaden Sharp, he could give you 15. Like he's that good of a player off of movement, off of catch and shoot. You're getting buckets. Drew is a good um, garbage man. Jabari has been shown uh, mm-hmm. flashes as well. GP, like this team can score points. That's not the issue. It's utilizing everything that you have and making it work the most effectively and efficiently way as possible. And I think it's up to the coaching staff to unlock that. And I think GP is kind of the key to that because it forces them to say, okay, we're going to play a GP and and Dame in the backcourt. And then once, um, you know, Dame gets his run, we're going to put Ant back in. And so I think Dame and Ant, they're both incredible players, but they do so much better when they are driving the show rather than being a passenger. I think that the other thing about Gary uh, Gary Payton is he's that point of attack defender. So Yusuf doesn't have to fully commit to helping. So that puts him in much better position to get the rebound. So that automatically helps our, our defense with ending the possession, getting the rebound, or them scoring. But we end possession so much better because Yusuf doesn't have to put his entire body out there for help. So it makes Yusuf's life easier. So it makes it, it makes Ant's life, Damien's and Yusuf's by far. Cause if Ant's the one covering, who are we playing in the next week? I know nuggets, but they Denver, don't Philly Lakers. So let's just use James Harden. If James Harden is getting to the rim, Gary Payton's going to be there, so it doesn't force Yusuf to go out of position for Embiid to get the rebound and dunk it. So that it, it, that having Gary Payton be the dog that he is and accept and embrace the challenge of defending the best perimeter guy is going to be supremely helpful in the playoffs if we play a team with a, an alpha guard. Like having him just be in the way and frustrating that that lead playmaker is going to be huge. And then Yusuf doesn't have to give up rebounding position to stop the ball. And then it stops that second chance point of happening, which is going to be huge. Like Yusuf Nurkic, if set and in position, is a very, very, very good rebounder. He just doesn't get to do that very often when it's Damian or Ant or Josh Hart that don't doesn't finish the play defensively. And when what I mean by that is Sure, they'll let the they'll let James Harden go ahead of them, and, but at least Gary Payton continues down the paint to defend. What what Dame has done and what Ant and done and CJ has done is when they get beat, they kind of aren't in the play. Gary Payton's in the play, and that makes it so much easier for Yusuf to get the rebound. I mean, having Yusuf set, having Josh Hart crash, having Jeremy Grant crash is going to be really really important but having that big dude carving out like the space is the most important thing about ending possessions all right sage let's get into the upcoming slate of games we both had a rough week in our predictions we both went one and three on the week so for the year i am 27 and 16 and you are 25 and 18 you like this too much you like this too much you kicked my ass for the past couple of years, so I know. I know. Need to I, I, I want to win now. I need to relish it when I when I when I've got the lead. Uh, Portland has a a first first up. Let's look at the only road contest of the rest of the month, the fourth and final contest against the Denver Nuggets. The Blazers um, don't really need this in terms of the season series because yes, it would tie tie the series, but there's no realistic path, I think, to catching a, a team like the Nuggets. But I think from a maybe a, a morale standpoint, beating Denver in Denver, that's what you need. So technically it would tie the season series. That's not what I think is at stake here. I think the, what's at stake here is getting a big time win because I, I don't know the last really good win the Blazers have had uh, to be quite honest, maybe at Utah on December 3rd would be the last good win that this team has had. Um, wasn't that uh, wasn't without Utah Christian regressing Wood. then what's that Utah was kind of regressing too at that point. Right. Um, they were still in the top 
six or 77 it was still a, a really good win i don't i that was without damien lillard too and had like 45 that night so that was probably so, so it's, it, been, it, it's been a year it's been a year it has also been the last road victory for the blazers it's been a month G- december 17th i was not a father yet <laughs> so that's <laughs> That's how long it has been before they, they beat, Papa and after Papa before. Yeah. BP AP, uh, <laughs> the Blazers beat the Rockets on December 17th. So they, what once was a really solid road team has now really regressed even further than I thought they could to a subpar road team. So I think they need this, this victory. Um, they've played Denver tough. The ant had that explosive performance early on in the season, uh, Jamal Murray got us uh, in early December with the buzzer beater after we all had thought Dame had, had sealed that one. And then on December 23rd, the Blazers hung tough for three quarters, but Denver pulled away winning by 13, uh, 120 to 107. So this is the last contest. Uh, Joker has been doing Joker things. And it, it's not lost on me that the one time Portland beat them, Nurk was able to get him into foul trouble. Uh, Nikola Jokic was a non-factor and Portland was kind of able to roll from there. So I think it all starts and stops with Nikola Jokic, much as it did with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. Uh, He's a player that I think, ironically, it's a bit different. With with Luka, you don't want him to score. I think with Denver and and Jokic, you encourage him to score. You don't want him to get others involved. So it's going to be very important. The key to the game, as always, Yusuf Nurkic, making him work on the defensive end of the floor, but also staying out of foul trouble. I was in attendance for that second game against the Nuggets, and the game kind of flipped once Nurk picked up three quick fouls in the third quarter, took him out, and then he got back in the fourth, fouled out, and then Portland just really had no defensive presence or answers to get stops down the stretch, despite brilliance from, from Lillard. So, Whenever these two teams, these two Titans match up, that's always going to be the key to the game. Like everything else could happen. Like we've seen Dame score 55 in the playoffs and it not be enough. Portland has to at least be competitive in that Nurkic-Jokic matchup. If it's if it's one-sided, it, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But if it's, if it's close, you're going to get games where Portland wins or it's going to come down to the wire like that second Denver contest. Um, I want to see I'm, Gary I, Payton versus Jamal Murray defensively. That's what I want to see well, because we, we had Jeremy Grant on Jamal Murray on that on that final possession. Yeah. And that's just not fair for Jeremy. Yeah, he has size, but Murray's got the, the shiftiness and the craftiness to so he's playing make anybody a lot of jump now. And uh, Mike Malone is finally separating it. So the second unit is Jamal Murray's unit to be aggressive. That's what he keeps saying. He wants Jamal to be aggressive. So Gary Payton is locking up Jamal Murray when he's trying to be aggressive. I think that's the secondary matchup that we need to really worry about because Jamal Murray with Jokic is not going to be as aggressive as with Jokic is chilling on the bench. So if we can, if we can grow that lead because we have a lockdown corner on Jamal Murray, I think that's going to help us have that margin for victory where like, don't let him explode on us. (laughs) Don't let him have a big, quarter or possession or rotation against us because we have Gary Payton the second on him. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a tough, a tough one for, for me to pick the Blazers winning. Uh, I I have to go Denver. They've won six in a row. They're uh, a Western Conference best 19 and three at home. Uh the Mile High City has has treated Portland rough over the years. Um I do expect it to be a close game. I think you're gonna see Lillard continue to cook, but uh I this is a believe it. I'll believe it when I see it type of thing from from the Blazers. It would be a monumental victory if they were able to secure it. But uh, I think the Nuggets are just a, in a class above Portland um, at the moment. So I, I yeah, have I, I think we're gonna have to wait for an, an away game for the A after Papa era of of the holy backboard. So uh, I I think that the Denver uh, Nuggets win. Up next uh, is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I, just oddly enough, this is a team that Portland just has so much success with in, in Portland. They always seem to just take care of Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Um, Does Nushiv Nurkic not get in foul trouble against JoJo? 
It's it's been strange with Philly. There there have been times where MB didn't play, and there were times when Ben Simmons wouldn't play. It just for whatever, and there was also the games in Philadelphia. I think it was the um the CJ Ellaby game. Like he, he came out of nowhere and just led the Portland to victory. Uh, Portland has some good karma against the the 76ers, and even in the games they lose. Um, I think it was uh in the 2019 2020 season where yeah, Simon hit the three, closing out. And then the Maz hit that game winner. Like they're still close. Like this is just a game that my gut says the Blazers win because they play Philly really well uh, at at home. I I just I don't I don't know who Philly is going to. What's what? How is Philly going to guard Dame if Dame is in this heater? Like, do you really want to put JoJo in action in the in the pick and roll? Like he's going to get tired. He's going to get in foul trouble. You know, Harden has no chance at defending him. Like, what about Maxi? He's a great offensive player, but I still don't know if he's got the chops defensively. I don't think anybody really. When Dame's cooking, he's one. Of, he's one of the the ten best. Like you just you, you can't. You have to hope he misses, and that's what a great offensive player is. Does no way have to do the same with James and and Jojo. Sure. Yeah. I. I. I, I just I've never <laughs> really worried about James Harden, but at post Houston James Harden, I just he's not been. I understand he's put up numbers like, but it's just it's not this the same threat to me. Yeah, he he's 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 not as good as he was in Houston, but Houston James Harden was just something that was completely underappreciated by us. But um, okay, this is not. I haven't talked to you as much. Do you think Tyrese Halliburton is the best player in that draft class? The Ty- Tyrese Hallib- uh the Maxi draft class was that twenty twenty? Yeah. Hold on. I have to actually. Ant and LaMelo were the top two picks. No, give me Anthony Edwards first and foremost. Really? Yes. So is Halliburton two? Halliburton right now would be. Halliburton would be two. And I think there's an argument for no. Ooh. So I think your top three are Bain, Edwards, and Halliburton. In that order? I don't know. Okay. Those are your top three. I was like, damn, I would much rather have Anthony than. Desmond Bain and I drove the Desmond Bain bandwagon. <laughs> those are those are the top three, and I think yeah. Maxi and Lamelo are, are round out your top five. Well, because I, I was just thinking about like, damn, there's an argument for Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Back to the Philly game. <laughs> um, I, I I past history is great, but we haven't played this particular team, and if they're healthy. I just don't know if we can fuck with them. So I'm going, I'm going Sixers victory and Blazers loss in this one. I feel like every Sixers team with Joel Embiid is kind of the same. I, okay. I think, the, they're, they're, I think their season is going to end the same as it always does. They'll maybe win a playoff round. They're not a threat. It's, it's, it's just who they are. I think they missed their, their opportunity and, and Doc Rivers is not a championship caliber coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but in this particular mass, matchup against the Blazers, with how I, I, the the Dallas Mavericks victories don't really sway me from like thinking this team is mediocre. So I'm, I, oh, I still think the Blazers are an average basketball yeah. team. I just I don't feel any sort of way about the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they're just maybe a little bit better, but the game's being played in Portland, you know, three thousand miles away, and there is something. There's just something weird about certain teams play better in certain arenas Sixers don't play well uh in Portland and that would set up a matchup on Sunday against the Los Angeles Lakers the third matchup of the season the the two teams have split the first two in Los Angeles uh the Lakers right now are 19 and 24 13 in the western 13th excuse me in the western conference they are still without uh Anthony Davis and LeBron James is uh, day to day, and you never he's really know. been day to day for the entire. Yeah, he's you know you, you talk about Anthony day to day Davis, but LeBron James is arguably um, just as as day to day. But I would anticipate him playing in Portland. Uh, this is another victory for me. Uh, Lakers coming to town. I, I don't think you're going to get that. The arena is going to be buzzing. Obviously, it always is when. Uh, the Lakers show up, and then they also have LeBron on that roster. Man, shit, Russ too. 
you know Dame's going to be hyped for it. Like he always plays well against Los Angeles. Hopefully you're you're coming off of four wins and five performances. You're starting to feel good about yourself. Um, this is a matchup that that I think the 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 Blazers backcourt could really get cooking. Like Dame and Simons, just because I don't know who's who's going to defend those Thomas two. Thomas their starting center, and he sucks at defense. Yeah, and so then, that's why I think Yusuf Nurkic is going to dominate. Uh, uh, Thomas Bryant. I mean, Thomas Bryant is going to put him in an awkward position because he can shoot, but he can't defend. So Yusuf Nurkic could get biz, and then I think Dame will get biz going to the hoop and trying to trying to score. Because if we can keep LeBron on the perimeter without that uh, chase down block threat, who the hell is going to block Damian's shot at the rim? Sure as fuck ain't going to be Thomas Bryant. Ain't going to be winning Gabriel. Like that team's kind of. Without AD protecting everything, that defense is trash. And they play su- super fast, so it's like we're going to have more opportunities opportunities to fuck over this team and score at the hoop. So I'm, I'm going Blazers win against the Lakers, and uh, I just hope Philadelphia does what I think they're going to do to our team. Because <laughs> now, now that I'm losing, I want to win. A very gracious winner. Really shitty loser in this. In this, I won't let you have this victory easily. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. Sage, let our listeners know where they can find us. We are, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. We are there. Five star us, sub sub to us. Uh, we appreciate it. We're get we're shit. We're 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 really working hard to create content and talk and you know the fact that we're podcasting right now when Dustin has a newborn child is it like that that shows dedication and I really do enjoy doing this podcast. We are the longest running podcast, so do the nice five star thing, sub to us on whatever platform you choose, and you know share it on Twitter and with your friends so we can get more people listening to this type of uh, content. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!